We are joined on this podcast today with two MagicCon 2010 presenters, uh, two of the most creative, respected minds, thinkers, creators working in this industry today, first of which is Michael Weber, and the second of which is Derek Delgadio. We're going to talk to both of them throughout this podcast on a variety of different topics, but I wanted to get this started with a question or a, a, a thought directed specifically at Michael Weber, and that is about the youth and the role of the youth in magic. So if you could just share with us any observations or thoughts you may have on this next generation of performers. For me, you know, I started up this stuff a long, long time ago, and I remember being a you know, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old kid magician in the Long Beach Mystics or joining the Junior Castle and things like that. So I, I think I've got that long view perspective. And for me, age has never been the issue. And I was lucky enough to figure that out when I was a really little kid that the, that the most interesting people to hang out with were guys like Vernon or Charlie Miller or um, Ralph Maccabee, you know, and these were all guys that were decades and decades and decades older than I was. So for me, one of the really great things about magic, and it's, I think it would be the most similar to a jazz music, is that it's a total meritocracy. That if, you know, it doesn't matter if you're 9 or 90, if you've got something interesting and worth sharing and you're passionate about it, um, age isn't the barrier. I think res respect for the art and whether you've done your thinking and whether you've done your homework is the, is the test. Just to add to that, we're also joined on this podcast today by Derek Delgadio. Derek, is there anything you'd want to add to what Michael stated about his experience growing up in magic and his thoughts on the youth today? Yeah, I had the I had the same good fortune of uh, being a young kid trapped in uh, Colorado and being able to meet all these wonderful magicians that passed through and then traveling the country trying to meet them. Um, Guys like Michael and uh, the next and that generation of, of guys that uh, generation above me like David Williamson and Eric Mead and uh, everyone in that group and um, it was wonderful to be the kid and try to hang out with these guys and learn from them. Um, but I also see that the uh, the youth uh, you it sounds weird to say youth because I still feel so young, but uh, old, the focus. Yeah, I know. Like compared to the the kids doing all your guys' material, um, uh, even in, even in our generation. Uh, uh, the twenty-something generation, the focus of what's important uh, has changed, and I think that's probably one of the one of the things that, if anything, is concerning. Is because it used to be that you try to, you know, uh, create or learn with the sole purpose or focus of entertaining and mystifying people and giving them a sense of wonder, and now the focus seems to be. Uh, come up with something to put it out and share with other magicians immediately because it's a good quick buck, which is nice, um, but it is the easy way out and it's not the long-lasting, rewarding way of doing it, I don't think. Um, and I think that that's, um, that's part of the thing that has changed with the media and the ability to put, uh, put, a, you know, put a DVD out by yourself. Anyone can put something out and there's no... There's no Joe Stevens or L&L or any of those people saying you're good enough uh, to put it out. Now it's every man and child for themselves. Um, and so uh, that's one of the big things in our generation that's really been affecting, I think, uh, the way we think about magic and what's important. And uh, I, I've seen, I've just from being around magic and uh, conventions or where, wherever other magicians are, you see the focus is more on creating and being creative for the sake of all the boys uh, taking notice as opposed to really working on 
a craft for performing it for real people in real uh, audiences. And I think in, in, in a, another uh, decade or so, it's really going to uh, show in uh, um, uh, the real world performing environments. And there's going to be some pretty big gaps uh, out there, I think. You mentioned uh, the word rewarding there in terms of uh, what, what people are getting out of magic and why they're in magic. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you talked about you know you guys growing up and having access to these really knowledgeable magicians and kind of, I don't know if they were your mentors, but you were at least having firsthand ability to learn from them and ask them questions. Um, I think those two things go together. I think that a lot of the younger generation of magic today is kind of lost. They don't have that direction. They don't have these uh, personal relationships with artists that are very experienced and knowledgeable. So they do get kind of uh, misguided into a sea of learning trick after trick after trick. So I've even seen it to the extent where on some forums they're like, they're, they're these your young magicians that are asking if they should go to magic con or if they should you know save up for these x many tricks that they really want to buy so from your perspective if someone is if that's the argument really if they should uh yeah there's no question yeah what, what what can someone that's young take out of an opportunity like this to really ask questions interact learn from see talks from the best minds in magic all in one place what what kind of effect do you think that can have on someone that is new to magic or even experienced it can be life-changing for anyone, whether they're into magic or not, having that face-to-face. And I, I think the talks are going to be terrific and useful and interesting and thought-provoking. But the most important uh, thing that will happen at this event is the downtime between events. And everyone has to be brave enough to walk up to someone and say hello and introduce themselves and uh, start a conversation and ask an interesting question or be willing to show a trick or present an idea and and start the conversation. You know, part of what these formal talks are about <clears throat> is one speaker starting the conversation with a room full of people. But that's um, more of a, a metaphorical conversation. Whereas if you walk up to a person and show them something, now you've started a real conversation and now that can absolutely go somewhere and lead to something interesting and useful and personal. Yeah, I I think that that uh, something that that Magic on or or an event like this or or any event where magicians are gathering together has over uh, something over the internet or YouTube or, or or some sort of teaching format like that is is honesty and truth. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've watched a video or a download or something of of a performer I've never seen or heard of, and then seen several things of theirs, and it looked pretty good and. They seem to be knowledgeable and confident, and then I see them perform live, and you can tell instantly they've never worked for people. They've only invented tricks and then done them for their YouTube camera and then put them up for other people. And and uh, live, you can tell. You can see, you can see, you know, good or bad, you, you, you know what you're getting, and you can make honest uh, decisions based on that. You can, you can make educated decisions, and you can really see who are the people you want to learn from. And who are the people that you know to stay away from as far as uh, they're just, you know, not frauds, but they, they don't know what they're talking about. And anyone can edit a snappy, you know, video together if they have the technical abilities. And uh, really, you know, seeing it in person is a, is, is a big difference in knowing if the person is genuine and um, if their intentions are genuine, if they really love what they're doing, or if they're just, you know, out to make a buck and try to uh, be some sort of a faux expert or something like that and live you can tell instantly so there's no no question
relating this back specifically to MagicCon, um, we price MagicCon intentionally very low. This is still one of the most economical conferences there is in Magic, period, uh, not even to mention one of this caliber. Do you think that uh, having a youthful following and a youthful turnout at a conference like this could uh, help bridge a gap between the generations in Magic? And I guess you could back that up and preface my question with, do you identify with, do you see any gap between the youth and the older generation of magicians? I, I got I to go back to the notion that I, I don't see the gap. I mean, I just came back from a week in Spain yeah. where I spent half my time with guys who were 20 years older than I am and the other half of my time with guys who were, you know, 20 years younger than I am. And uh, I, I think if, it if only exists in the minds of the, the, the kids or something. I'm no, sure. I, th- I think there is a. I think there is. If it's not a gap, then it's a. It's a. a I guess a belief or it's a mindset. I mean, I think if you go back yeah. and listen to the last podcast that obviously a few people raised arms um, about with Lovick, I, I think what his point was was very sincere and his point was very valid, which is saying that uh, people that are new to magic should not be necessarily going out and just creating trick after trick and trying to just create and teach when they should be learning, which I think is a very valid point. But oftentimes you see, I'm not saying uh, Lovick, but oftentimes you see a lot of the older generation of magicians being kind of condescending or look down upon the younger generations of magicians where in reality they should be reaching out, helping them. And like you're talking about going up to them at like this convention and, and talking and interacting and not just uh, looking down on someone because they might not know as much well, or not have as much experience. I got to tell you, at, uh, uh, once, uh, go ahead, Michael. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't, I, I, it seems like um, to me it's kind of a, um, uh, a sensitive generation or uh, I know it's a very uh, we, we are a very egocentric and self-centered generation uh, and I don't just mean in magic I mean in the world it's a it's you know the way we are raised now we're people we're being you know lighter and lighter on our kids and stuff which is just the way the world's evolving but I gotta tell you I remember I, I vividly remember uh, Eric Mead and Michael Weber telling me to go away vividly remember that and you know what I it made sense to me at the time, and it was. It's because we were. It's because and, we were going to discuss a magic secret you weren't ready for. Yeah, and it's it's right, and it's the right thing, and the the big, and then the 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 achievement is the next time somehow getting them to to open up and let me sit at the table, and then again for years, for 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 years, I remember you know uh, like Michael and Eric uh, being you know hey we're gonna go uh, talk now and we'll catch you at dinner. And okay, there's again, there's a there's another door that needs to be open there, and that's part of the joy of it. And I, you know, uh, Vernon and Miller and all of these guys, you know, Michael Michael knew them. They he can tell you they weren't all hugs and open arms and yeah, come on, you can do a pass. Let's sit down at the table. I mean, <laughs> Vernon told people flat out, "You're sucked. You're terrible. Get out of magic." And some people did, and some people fought through it, and then earned his respect. And I think nowadays, every everyone seems to want to be told they're great right away. And maybe that's a a personality trait, or in life, or in magic. But I I, I think that that's important. I think that that people need to know there there are boundaries, and there are doors that need to be earned to step through. And and uh, you know, Tommy Wonder wrote a great article about one big brotherhood, one big family that we are, and how. Magic has this entitlement of, 
hey, you and I are, are brothers in magic, and and that's true to an extent. And and there's a there's a definitely should be like a mentoring and helping and guiding. But at the same time, things need to be to be to be earned. And I've seen a lot of guys, you know, they come up with a trick and they get it happens in reverse. They come up with a trick and they put it on DVD and it sells wildly successful. Or or you know, they pull something out of a you know, some sort of orifice and it becomes like a really big deal. And then, uh, uh, then they go to the boys or, or the guys that they look up to the next generation looking for their props and they're not getting any. And then it's like, well, F, F them. They obviously don't have respect for the younger geniuses. It's like, well, you got, you know, just cause you had an, the ability to put something out and it did well, doesn't mean you've earned anything really. And so um, I think the mindsets are contrasting. You have an older generation of, of guys who earned where they are and a younger generation who creatively, arguably, you know, are just they're just as creative and talented. Uh, but it's a lot easier to get famous in magic. It's a lot easier to get, uh, you know, respect from the masses and have, be told you're great. And so I think it's it's screwing with people's heads as far as well, I got, you know, 600, 6,000 YouTube hits that all say I'm awesome, but I can't get, you know, any respect from the boys. And I think it's earned in person through hard work and, and making good choices and, and being a great magician, not just on on video. I, I mean, Weber, I'm interested to see what uh, your thoughts are on that as well. I, I agree with everything you just said, um, Derek. I think that there is, though, a subsect or there's at least some that, that see this YouTube, and that's often what you, it's not the YouTube generation of magicians, but that's what the, mm-hmm. it's being called. They see that as not being, you know, that's, that's you're not really a performer because you only, you know, you perform for your friends and you perform on YouTube. You're not really a performer. Or really, does is, is performing for friends and on YouTube really make them less of a magician? Does it? Yes, they're no. less of a professional magician, but are they less no, of a... No, it's a different type. Different type. Nope, it's just, it's just it's a different category. It's like a guy being a stage magician who, who can't do anything with a normal deck of cards. And you say, yeah, you need that special coat and your table with the well in it. You need someone to, you know, you need to be able to hide stuff in the wings and you can't let the audience walk behind you. I think every setting has its own real rules and self-imposed limitations on who it's good for and, and what it's good for. Um, and that's, you know, everybody's proudest of what they are able to do. So they're absolutely going to put that highest on the list of what matters most. And, you know, there aren't a lot of 65 year old YouTube magicians right now. Um, but they're playing cat, you know, they're trying to play catch up. Um, I think there is, um, much to be gained. Research has been done that suggests that no matter what it is you're doing, whether you're playing the bass guitar or uh, racing motorcycles or trying to do sleight of hand with a pack of playing cards, that the bottom, the baseline uh, breakthrough point of understanding comes at a decade, comes at 10 years. And no matter how much you're, you know, rocking the Theory 11 deck or the smoke and mirror pack two months into it or two years into it or six years into it, there's something really deep and special and fundamental that happens at working at something 10 years. And after that point, a lot of the stuff that you've learned, you've had a chance to rethink and relearn and reevaluate and refine and add yourself to and integrate your worldview and your life experience into. So 
I think it's fine when uh, you know a guy that's only been in magic a year wants to put out a set of lecture notes or or whatever that is. That's that doesn't bother me so much. But I'm much more interested in meeting the guy that's been doing magic for ten years and hasn't put anything in print. And you know, he's given his wine a chance to mature, and it's always going to be better than the stuff that that some guy reduced to print to sell at the at the latest magic convention. And that, that's not a hard and fast rule that people shouldn't be allowed to lecture or put out material or write a book or do a DVD until they've been doing something for 10 years. But I think if that was the rule, um, a lot of the stuff wouldn't get put on the DVDs because those folks wouldn't be around anymore. And a lot of the stuff wouldn't be put on the DVDs because 10 years is enough time to personally realize the value of the secrets you were about to give away. Or lack thereof. That, I think that's the first case. The first case is – the other thing – another thing I will, I will point out is sometimes the folks you get to point their fingers and say, this guy's only been in magic six months. What's he doing putting out a DVD? There is a great, great danger in that magic is an art that is, in its written form alone, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old, which means that hundreds of thousands of really smart folks all over the world have thought about this for lifetimes and worked on it alone and with others and then reduced those ideas to print. And someone who's been in it for six months that stumbles on a great idea and immediately shares that with the world as their idea should be reminded of the great Goethe quote, which is, I invent nothing, I rediscover. And the, the truth is, there's a great liability to having your best, great first idea come out and have it be something on page 235 of Tarbell Volume 4. It just, it makes you look silly. You know, I think, I think, uh, uh to touch on the th something I just realized in thinking about it, listening to you guys talk, is uh, the mindset that that I I have heard about or or had myself is I was always looking for people uh, to tell me what was wrong with what I was doing and and how to fix it. Because it always, you know, it always needs fixing. There's always things that can be tweaked. Matt King, who has a perfect show, every time, you know, you go to see it, if, if you know, he'll ask his friends, hey, so what did you think of this part or this part? I mean, he's still always still working on it. It's a perfect show. And um, I think that the, the, the new mindset seems to be to find a mentor who will tell you how good it is and how good you are and how perfect it is and how great it is and as soon as you don't find that as soon as you run into a wall of someone telling you it's not that great or it's uh, it really needs work then the the blinders go up and you go back to the go back to the computer where you know most people will take the time to go out of their way to tell you it's great as opposed to it's not great because no one wants to be mean and no one should be and it's not being mean but now it kind of looks that way if someone has a negative thing to say about what you're doing do you feel like there may be a miscalibration of sorts between artists that may be brilliant but are spending at least the majority of their time on only creating magic for other magicians and pumping out product after product versus focusing on performing and the other means through which they may be able to have some sort of effect and, and advance the art form? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I think that the reason we hear the most about that aspect of it 
is because the workers are too busy working. And if you're selling something, you have to spend a lot of time on advertising so a lot of people hear about you. So it completely makes sense. It's absolutely logical to me that magic magazines or, you know, the online presence of magic is commercial first and foremost. Because that's what those guys need to do. They need to stop traffic, get your attention so they can sell you something. Um, what's crazy is that that's carried into the magic clubs and into the mindset of the magician that first and foremost, the question isn't, what story do I want to tell? What effect would I like to be able to perform? What effect would I like to have on a particular person or group of people in my life or in my community or in my world? Their, their first question is, what am I missing out on? What new thing with a rubber band do I need to learn? What new set of milled down coins do I need to buy? And it's crazy to me how imitative our art is. You know, you go through act after act after after act of of some of the very best guys and it's all the same material with hopefully you know some of their personality put into it or some jokes they've added to it or bits of business or, or touches but if you go through magic you find a, a group of people that were and are the pioneers that are really kind of putting new magic out there and how crazy it would be if painters and sculptors only wanted to make paintings and sculptures of things that they saw other painters and sculptors make. It's just, it's mad. Yeah, and so, to sell them to other painters and sculptors. <laughs> yeah, right, That's the really right, crazy part. Right, the we're gonna, right, I'm going to sell you paint and brushes so you can paint like I paint. Uh, yeah, to, to, to treat your brother artists like suckers at the state fair is crazy. Um, yeah, I think that... I think that um, that you know, it's of course that's what 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 the mindset is. I mean, I just watched a I just watched a video uh, of a a magic DVD, and the guy, the instructor teaching it, actually tells you at one point how to do it for the camera, and not I mean, it was it was it kind of blew me away because it was like, well, this and this is for this is a magic DVD just to teach people how to do tricks for other people. But at one point, he's like talking about how to frame it in the camera and stuff. And it's just like, well, who, who is this geared towards? I don't know who this is for. And with that sort of, uh, it's a perpetual, I mean, the snowball gets rolling. You have, uh, you know, it started, you know, you, you, you get it started. And then now everyone, if that's the mindset, there's nothing wrong with it because that's what the mindset is. That I mean, it's, it's just the outsiders that look on it that go, wow, that's so not the way I think about it and so not the way that, the people I know have thought about it, but it is the way that everyone's thinking about it. So now, who's the who's wrong? You know, if it's the whole, it's, it's the way every everyone thinks that the magic world works, and you you come up with some tricks, and you put out a DVD, and then you get popular and do some conventions, and you're a big deal, and you get to be the weekly guest on the Magic Cafe. Well, you know, you've made it. You know, and uh, and but to me, that's I think you just said a couple of very interesting things there. The first of which is we've now reached a a point in time where everyone has a video camera and an ability to post whatever they shoot and instantly distribute it widely across the world in in less time than it took to actually watch the event. So I'm not sure the person doing this DVD was this smart, but today's performer that's going to be working out there in the world really does have to take into 
into mind the thought that if a group of people are gathered on the street or in a theater and they're going to be performing for them, in a 500-seat theater, you might be performing for 300 video cameras. Sure. And that, and six months from now or a year from now or six years from now, that may just be the new reality. That's something sure. to think about. Uh, the, the other thought is... Um, I believe that if, if folks were looking for a challenge to bring with them to MagicCon, it would be, I believe that as humans and as magicians, the time we really make breakthroughs, the time we really discover, come up with something interesting, is when we find something that we hate passionately or don't understand. And then that's the path to pursue. Because you know for certain that there's something hiding there that you've never taken the time to look at before because you've always avoided it because you hate it or didn't understand it. And I think that there's not as much to discover on the road we know too well. And that's why every time someone really smart comes up with a, a card trick and shows it to me, I say, this is fantastic. My, my first question is, how can we do this with anything other than playing cards? How can, we, how can we take this great idea and put it someplace you're uncomfortable with at the moment because there's probably a great new idea hiding there? I think it's an interesting point. And to roll back to the YouTube discussion you were having a minute ago, it, it's, it's, it's worth considering at least when you're performing for one person that has a video camera, do you play only to that one person that's there in the flesh and physically standing there in front of you or do you also play to and at least consider in your performance the plausibility that that video footage may end up on youtube or another video sharing site and then you're you're performing for tens of other spectators hundreds of other spectators thousands of other spectators and in rare cases hundreds of thousands of other spectators that you don't even know about yet so how much do you keep that in mind and how much do you factor that into how you're performing it's an interesting thing to uh to ponder we're going to continue this discussion next week with another podcast from these two presenters. Uh, you can check out previous podcasts that we've had about MagicCon and with MagicCon presenters at magic-con.org. Check out more information about the conference there as well. Catch you guys next week.